Welcome to The Blueprints, the show where we discuss albums that have shaped our lives and the musical world around us. I'm your host, Kiefer. And I'm Micah. And today we will be discussing the 2013 mixtape, Acid Rap by Chance the Rapper. So, Chance the Rapper is musical artist, producer, entrepreneur, and social activist from Southside Chicago. He was named Outstanding Youth of the Year by Chicago Mayor in 2014. He received the BET Humanitarian Award in 2017. He led the massive voting march hashtag parade to the polls in 2016 and has been pivotal in the hashtag save Chicago campaign and anti-violence initiatives throughout the city. So uh, the reason that we want to talk about Chance the Rapper today is, well, recently he just added Acid Rap and 10 Day, his first mixtape onto Spotify and iTunes stream. What is it? The iTunes thing called? Apple Music, that, Apple Music, that's what that's called. Uh, so we added his music to Spotify and Apple Music, and we thought that this would be the perfect opportunity to get onto that hype train as he leads into his upcoming album and sort of discuss where Chance came from, what his influences were, and uh, why Acid Rap was such a big deal when it was released. Yeah, so our kind of goal of this podcast today is hopefully for you guys to get a better understanding of kind of Chance's background, some of his influences and things that kind of led up to the mixtape Acid Rap itself, and then kind of talk about the significance, most important things about the album. Yeah, sure. Uh, So why is Chance the Rapper important to you? Like, what was your first exposure to him? So a lot of my early music um, in like the mid-2000s, late 2010s kind of came from music videos of all places. From MTV Jams was the spot I was on listening to music videos. Um, And they would have Jam of the Weeks. That would be every Friday or every Saturday. And they'd like premiere some of the new hot videos. And they had this like in-between commercial spot. And it was Chance the Rapper, like, singing the hook to everybody something, which we'll obviously be getting into later. But he was singing it a cappella. And I just remember, like, seeing this guy with, like, this pineapple button-down shirt with this nose piercing who was just singing. And I was like, I want to be him when I grow up. <laughs> he seems like the coolest guy in the world. And, and what's crazy about this, as we were doing the research and I was reflecting on that, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, shit, I have a nose piercing now. And I have a pineapple shirt now. <laughs> I, be, I became Chance the Rapper. Or just, you know, the image that I wanted to see. He just seemed like a cool guy. And then, like, again, the first song I kind of heard by him was Everybody Something, which is just a very beautiful and powerful song. Sure. Um, my first experience with Chance the Rapper was a bit less powerful. <laughs> so uh, I grew up with a completely different like background in terms of music and what I came into. I was very much into rock and roll, alternative rock, indie music. So I didn't really start coming into hip hop music until I was like 17. And even then it was just like the basic white people stuff like uh, early Eminem and Childish Gambino. Um, and I remember you were taking a shower when we were freshmen in college and you like came out blasting a favorite song and you were like singing the Gambino part to it. And I was like, oh shit, that's Gambino. I'm white. I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> and it was a Chance the Rapper song. So that was sort of like the first foray I had into Chance the Rapper. And I'm glad that you and I are talking about that talking about this guy like five years after the fact, uh, you know, seeing why he's so important to us, why his music stuck with us and, you know, breaking down like the album itself and why it's so cool. <laughs> so Kiefer, let's let's go back. Let's step into the time machine and go back to April of 2013. OK, let me paint this picture for you. We're, 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 we're juniors in high school. Mm-hmm. It's it's April. So summer is fast approaching. Yeah. The Harlem Shake meme is blowing up across the Internet and on Facebook. Oh 
Radio stations are playing Thrift Shot by Macklemore and Locked Out of Heaven by Bruno Mars almost nonstop. Yeah, uh, Random Access Memories is about to come out. Rihanna had just released her album Unapologetic. Remember Rihanna released music? For this moment, it was a simpler time. And in that April of 2013, Chance the Rapper would release what would go on to become one of his most acclaimed mixtape acid rap. So, going into this project, this wasn't his the first thing he released. This was a sophomore project. His initial project was this smaller mixtape, but like sort of like got the conversation starting. It was Ten Day. So Chance the Rapper's Ten Day mixtape uh, got him a spot on Music Forbes article for up and coming artist, and it what got him his spot as an opening act in Childish Gambino's tour. Um, that's where he met Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, who had already been making kind of the music rounds with uh, his album Camp and obviously for his spot on Community as Troy. Yeah, he did a feature with him on uh, Royalty and, you know, Gambino was like, I like the cut of your jib, you want to go on tour with me and be my opening act? And he agreed to because who won it? And that's kind of the start of that relationship. And he sort of like flirted with like his first like, you know, bit of success as he was like uh, transitioning into making acid rap. So I want to sort of like break down and get into the DNA of Chance the Rapper a little bit. We sort of talked about like his initial mixtape that he had, 10 Day. What do you think of 10 Day? I think it's very much a good stamp of what his personality is and what Chance the Rapper kind of brings to the table. Um, with that, it, you can definitely tell it's more of like a demo tape. Like this is my like first time like taking this very seriously. Sure, I mean like it's, I definitely felt old listening to it because it's a guy talking about his high school experience. Uh, he's still very much a teenager when it's coming out, like a senior in high school. So, like, I, I'd never really listened to it much until, like, I had to do the research for this episode. And I was impressed by a lot of it. He's had, like, the early showings of, like, what would ultimately become the chance that we know today. Clearly, he took a, learned a lot of lessons from the initial thing. So the story for the album itself goes that Chance the Rapper had a blunt in his backpack. As he remembered the blunt in his backpack, he kind of turned right, ar- right around and walked out of the school... Unfortunately, one of the school police officers uh, had noticed Chance the Rapper kind of turning out and followed him, finding Chance the Rapper in his smoking spot with a couple of his friends, and the officer arrested them. This led to a 10-day suspension from school on his senior year, meaning that he wouldn't graduate on time with his classmates, and allegedly he threw his cap and gown away. So in this 10-day suspension is what kind of the conceptual idea for the 10-day mixtape came out of, and he said that 10-day is a concept album of a reflection period in his life uh 10 days about finding out who you are and your relationships with people and his relationships with school and things of that nature i got suspended oh you got suspended for chief and a hundred blunts 14 400 minutes fans on in us hands they hands for mr bennett that racket over the net uh, let's uh, get into the DNA of Chance the Rapper, sort of like what his influences were, where he came from, and how that matters and how he came to be who he is today. Funny enough, uh, Chance the Rapper's first album he ever got was in fifth grade, and it was The College Dropout, um, which is Kanye West's first album, which I think says a lot about, again, Chance the Rapper and kind of where he comes from and what his influences are. Yeah, he and Kanye are both Chicago, right? Yes. 
Chance the Rapper has cited other influences such as Lil Wayne, Outkast, early Eminem. Yeah, I uh, tried to like do a lot of research going in and a lot of it made sense. It wasn't a lot of new information. So he is a youngster. He's new. He's fresh off the scene. He's So he's going to broadcast, wear it on his sleeveless arms that he's like into these artists. So there was an MTV interview he did in 2013 when he was promoting acid rap. And he said, like, back when I was a freshman in high school starting out rapping, I used to rap just like Kanye because I listened to nothing but Kanye. Uh, he listened to a bunch of Lil Wayne, had Eminem phases, had Andre 2000 phases. So he would, like, draw, draw a lot from those rappers. And I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most, like, tuned in hip hop dude in the world. But uh, it's hard not to hear the influences of Lil Wayne and how he raps and, like, his flow and, like, the subject matter that he talks about. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though Lil Wayne and Chance are, like, from, like, two completely different sides of the United States, we would not have Chance the Rapper without Lil Wayne, and he admitted that. He said in an interview with Sway in 2013, like, Lil Wayne is the reason I took off. Like, if there wasn't him, like, there would be no me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to talk to you a second real quick. I want to do a little thing of uh, rappers that came out from... 2010 to 2012 because essentially what's interesting in this two-year period we have every mainstream rapper that we are currently in 2019 talking about or what kind of on the forefront of consciousness we're talking debut projects or albums or mixtapes that garnered this artist the most notoriety or the most significance in the mainstream and he said 2010 to 2012 2010 to 2012 so this is what we're working with okay go ahead what we're working with asap rocky Drake's first album was in 2010. Kendrick Lamar, he had Section 80, which is considered to be Kendrick Lamar's kind of first step into the mainstream that kind of made everybody turn their heads and listen to him. Mm-hmm. Tyler, the creator, Joey Badass, 2 Chains, Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller, Future, Childish Gambino, J. Cole, YG, and Danny Brown. All of these rappers, again, these are the mainstream people that we are now talking about. We're all brand new, fresh on the scene in 2010, 2012. So kind of, yeah, so kind of seeing... That's like, a new renaissance. That is a, it, absolutely, and that's the point I'm getting to. This is a hip-hop renaissance, and this was kind of the start of it. Chicago-specific artists, obviously Lupe Fiasco had been working throughout kind of the past couple years into the late 2000s, into the 2010s, but also there's Vic Mensa, who came out at the same time as Chance the Rapper. There's Little Reese, there's Kanye, there's Chief Keef, Little Dirk, Fredo Santana, like... All these guys are very specific Chicago rappers, but are influential to this day. So that sort of goes into what has influenced him up until this point. These are the projects that he's done so far. Uh, so let's sort of not. So let's sort of like talk about like the actual like sounds that like went into acid rap. Sure. So um, let's talk about acid rap as a title itself. So the title of acid rap is twofold. So. It is a reference to the component of the mixtape's production, LSD, which Chance admitted to using in the making of the mixtape. He had that interview in 2013 with MTV, yet again, uh, where he admitted that acid was like a booster or like fuel to the creative process and that it was something that he was actively using to like sort of contribute to the creativity. And without it, like we would have a completely different album. Yeah, I kind of read a similar quote um, from Chance the Rapper as well that kind of paints acid um, in his own words as one big question or one kind of big metaphor that he's trying to tackle throughout the mixtape. Right. So that's, that's that's the first component of acid rap is LSD itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also a genre of music called acid jazz. Uh, acid jazz was a genre of music that burned brightly and burned out very quickly in the mid to late 80s. So it was this genre that emerged in the UK in the mid 80s. It was sort of like a primordial soup of genre. It took traditional jazz disco, 
uh, funk uh, and, you know, where you would take traditional jazz songs and use, you know, use the brass instruments that people understand with uh, jazz. And then like you have like brass and you have upright bass, but then acid jazz would also incorporate contemporary sounds like synthesizers and turntables. It was a DJ's game. Uh, so sometimes it was remixes of rare jazz tracks where they added drums, bass, synth, 808s and stuff. And then sometimes people would like actively make original compositions without samples and just make that style themselves. This is where you have artists like Jabiroquai who would like was like the big like um, band out of that movement that had like made their sound. So acid jazz didn't have a lot of staying power except for like a few people. Uh, so it sort of fell by the wayside. What became more commercial was electronic dance music, which was the thing that dominated the 90s. And of course, hip hop itself was also growing and becoming mainstream. Right. So there wasn't a space for it in clubs anymore. Uh, <laughs> I personally love acid jazz a lot. I listened to a lot of it <laughs> when I was like making my notes for this and like trying to like understand it a lot more. And um, it's very instrumental to our understanding of how hip hop works today and where it ended up, uh, especially with regards to chance. So some notable artists that used acid jazz, uh, Jamiroquai, like I said before. Uh, a big one is A Tribe Called Quest, uh, which is, you know, a jazz rap group that we all know and love. Uh, Low End Theory uh, incorporated a lot of acid jazz into their production there. Uh, Erica Badu, uh, for Mama's Gun, she used a lot of jazz music, and you can hear the acid jazz in that. Uh, for my gamers out there, Persona 5 and Jet Set Radio. <laughs> Jet Set Radio, uh, Persona 5, they both incorporated jazz into their soundtracks. Yeah, so it's very important to note that acid rap wasn't like a rigid and structured thing. It wasn't just acid jazz, but Chance was very deliberate and like, you know, saying like, I want that kind of sound into this in this mixtape. So he collaborated with uh, several producers and one of them was Nate Fox, who was like very in tune to that kind of sound and sort of helped them realize that that vision, that kind of like old style uh hip-hop sound of a tribe called quest and the acid jazz genre in general to uh put in the subtle tracks so go over which specific tracks use it uh a lot but i just want to like give you that sort of context going in the uh tracks include juice lost favorite song chain smoker which are the tracks produced by uh nate fox and they're the most traditional uh, tracks that incorporate the acid jazz sounds and it took me a long time to actually like listen to like what songs or what because Chance is a, is very quick and very fast, and it's very interesting to hear his style of. He doesn't like let songs sort of like slow down. He doesn't like have slow moments. He just basically is constantly talk. Someone's constantly talking in a Chance the Rapper song. Uh, there's very few moments on Acid Rap where the music itself is just allowed to breathe. So next time you listen to Acid Rap, um, you know enjoy enjoy the lyricism. It's a very it's a very complex mixtape, but. You know, listen to the music itself because there is a lot of hard work and a lot of great sounds in there. Raps just made me anxious and acid made me crazy. And squares just made me looser, that wax just made me lazy. And I still make this song and I'ma make another. If you ever actually hit me, better watch out for my brother. Better bet I'll take that deal. Gotta watch out for my mother. Get a watch with all that glitters. Come in clutters, different colors. Been a baller, been for butler, chauffeur, hit a stainer. Did I stutter? Did a ton of drugs and did better? All right, so we're in the first track of Acid Rap now. Good-ass uh, intro. It is the good-ass intro. What we uh, have here is I want to talk about another one of the influences of Chance the Rapper. We talked about how you know Kanye West was his first introduction to hip-hop, um, how he is also a Chicago rapper like him. Uh, not only is uh, Kanye's influence like you know intangible in the sense where it's like... Uh, you know, I cribbed his style and like sort of copied him and everything like that. But there was literally a Kanye West sample on the first track here. So yeah, so uh, 
Chance the Rapper kind of talking about Goodass Intro said he kind of wanted to model it after uh, an intro song by Kanye himself. Um, the song is titled I'm Good off Kanye's Freshman Adjustment 2 mixtape. It was before his College Dropout album came out. One of them was this kind of intro track with him just kind of rapping over John Legend vocals as he's singing this I'm Good uh, refrain over and over again. So I think it's almost poetic to have like Chance use that on his second mixtape after uh, Kanye's second mixtape. So I think it's just a cute little like parallel there. Yeah, no, I love, I love the song. Uh, I love the inspiration that he took. Like it's literally him again, wearing influences on his sleeve. Um, Good ass intro is a monumental step forward for Chance Ooh, as a rapper. God. It's a masterpiece of like just a, as a blowout opener. It is Chance using every tool at his disposal, rhyme, flow, production, to make like a showcase of his talent. This is like what you would use at like an art show to like demonstrate your talent in one piece. It is the most Chance, like in the sense that like it's his tropes and identity are all over this thing. Mm-hmm. He probably has as many rhymes as he has like little like, you know, hiccup shrieks that he does. Um, it's sensory overload. I love it so much. It's like indulge. <laughs> it's it's like indulging on a sweet dessert before you even get into your meal. It's like a fucking sugar rush of a song. Right. I don't know if you found it across in your readings, but I definitely kind of found it in my research, saying that this track took the longest to make, mm-hmm. and he had the most input on this track out of any other track. Almost every chant song on Acid Rap has one credit producer. I think there's two on one of them, but Good Ass Intro has three producers, <laughs> and it has like ten writers because of how many like the features and the samples that he uses from this thing. This song is just like this celebratory like intro, like I did it, I've made it, you know? I. It's kind of, this is my first successful step into the music industry, you know? At this point, he's already had some experience touring on somewhat of a, a big scale on a big stage with Childish Gambino, you know? He kind of, what, what is the line in the track? Nightly oh. searches for a bed and I just came off tour with Troy. It, like you said, it's a sugar rush. It's a high for him and like you can feel that. It's like you see the light at the end of the tunnel finally and that's what good-ass intro is. Yeah, it's a good-ass intro is... I guess it's a it's it's twofold purpose. Uh, it like you know catches people up who are already with Chance about like what he's doing. He's like I, I fucking made it, motherfuckers. What are you gonna do about it? And for people who are just you know getting into him now, it's the perfect introduction. Like you get like his thesis statement about like what this thing is going to be, uh, who I am, and you know I'm gonna fucking celebrate me. Why not? One thing that's always drawn me to Chance the Rapper specifically is kind of like his smart alecky like smart ass rhymes, like uh, the line. Hit a stainer, did I stutter, did a bunch of drugs, and did better than all my alma mater. Like, what is, that's just, like, I did a bunch of drugs, and I still graduated, and I'm still doing better than everybody else that graduated with me. So it's kind of like this big middle finger to, like, the 10-day situation, how that even came to be. It's like, I'm still successful, like, just because I do drugs and just because I do things that other people may not glorify or think as like, relevant. This thing is, like, impressive on, like, a rhyme-to-rhyme scale here. Uh, we talked about... Uh, the Eminem influence earlier and you can see that in the way that he incorporates his rhymes it's like very short like rhymes within lines mm-hmm. uh, and how he just like sort of like almost like builds like rhymes around like whole bars and like verses even Yeah, his his rhyme scheme is it just feels very loose it's almost like he already had this in his head like the whole entire time and he's saying it for the first time and he's so excited it's just things interweave together so like seamlessly like stuff like this just excites me no yeah and like the way like it 
the lines are all related to each other. He's not like just like reaching for rhymes for rhyme's sake. Like he's able to like weave a like a little like small little story within the verses to you know make it work. Hitting that Chicago influence on the back side of things. Uh, two major things I want to talk about. Um, one is the common uh, sample that comes at the back part um, from Common song Faithful. So Common is one of the most successful like golden age hip hop artists to come out of Chicago, but. One of the songs that's also featuring John Legend, Faithful, is sampled on the back half of the song. It's almost like you have John Legend like on your song, but you don't. Um, I think it's just a, I, I think it's a cool way to take two different samples and make them feel like cohesive as their one thing. The other thing I want to talk about is now as we're getting to uh, good ass intro, we hear our first kind of inclination or our first sound of what juke music is. So juke music is considered to be an extra fast. It's known for a high BPM um, and it's kind of a spinoff of house. Um, some of the big influencers or names that kind of garnered this style were DJ Dion and DJ Funk, who popularized this sound in the early 90s. Most kind of dismiss this just as, you know, it's just it's just a fad. It's just going to kind of come and go in the same way acid jazz did. But instead, the music kind of took hold in high school gyms and park districts. And, and that's where these kids and these teenagers who were listening to the music came up with this energetic like dance steps, which came to be known as footwork. And it's this fast, like lightning fast pace of Chicago stepping moves. Bang, nigga, bang. Jukes from Chicago. It's a Chicago sound. It's very distinct and like a homegrown thing. So this is uh, a music style that Chance is incorporating. He samples at least two Chicago artists in the whole thing. And this whole thing is just like all in-house. Like he's very married to this city. It's very important to him. And like his first introduction to you, to his brand, to his sound, it's all Chicago. Days. And now I got the show for the shoes and shows and chauffeurs with roll rage. So the same damn ad lip. Alright, so the second track on this uh, mixtape is Push a Man. Um, a quick little fun fact for you this track was uh, produced by Siege, who uh, was someone that Nate Fox, the primary producer of this uh, mixtape, knew. It was originally uh, intended to be for two chains, fun fact. Yeah. Um, and Chance was hanging out with Nate Fox and he was playing a bunch of like stuff off a mixtape and like this one came up and he was like, hold on, I want this beat. Yeah. And he's like, you want this beat? He's like, yeah, I want this right now. Um, so he, he, he sort of cribbed the beat uh, and he never knew that it was meant to be a two chains beat. So when he and Nate were like hanging out uh, with Siege one day and two chains was there, uh, Siege's like, hey, uh, push a man, that was supposed to be for you, two chains. And then Chance is like, what? <laughs> he, 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 he never knew. Yeah, so real quick, I just want to play the sample of the song. Um, it, the, the main melody uh, from the song is taken from the sample. The main melody of the song is taken from the track uh, Modaji. I guarantee I pronounced that wrong. Um, it is made by Dave Grusin. Apologize if I butcher the name. But yeah, interestingly enough, it's the the chorus and the title of the song itself is an interpolation of the 1972 song Pusher Man by Curtis Mayfield off the Superfly soundtrack. Doctor, when you need, want some coke, have some weed. You know me, I'm your friend, your main boy. 
I don't know how much you know about Superfly or the soundtrack. I know the name. It's a very infamous black exploitation film in the same way of Shaft, where the main character is a drug dealer who sells cocaine and lives a luxurious life. Um, interestingly enough, it is one of the only soundtracks to outgross the film itself that it was based <laughs> off of. Not saying that the film did badly by any means, it was very successful at the time, but it, it, that's just how successful and how meaningful the soundtrack of Superfly was. It is considered to be a classic soul album and right up there with Marvin Gaye's What's Going On as yeah. far as conceptual albums that kind of pioneer this social issues within a soul album. That's, yeah. Um, listening to the lyrical content of uh, Push A Man, the chant song, uh, you get, it's it builds off of the energy immediately, like establish a good ass intro. Like you have the goodwill, um, and Chance is very smart to like just like sort of like keep that energy going. It's like you know, take a shot, take another shot, let's go. Um, so he's just like doing the celebratory thing. He's like talking about like the good life, the luxurious stuff, like hitting on like the same like you know ideas you were talking about with Superfly. It's you know living a luxurious life because you're able to you know push it, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, again, it just right off the bat, it starts off with Chance's twisted and funny sense of humor and just kind of what makes him playful and slightly just kind of disrespectful in the way he like says shit again like the first lines are 10 damn days and all i got to show for it is shoes and shows and chauffeurs with road rage saying like <laughs> you suspended me from school and all i got to show for it is all the success that i got you fucking asshole um yeah there's just he's like very like keeping off that like i'm, I'm cool i'm you know doing a damn thing uh it's just a two minute song uh like two and a half minutes so there's really the uh Chorus by Nate Fox, which is the interpolation of uh, Curtis Mayfield's Pusher Man, uh, and then the two verses by Chance. So it's very quick. It's in and out. Yeah, I think it's just a good, again, it's just a little, like you said, it's just a shot. This is what Chance the Rapper is. You love it. This is who he is. Uh, just like the rhyme scheme on this thing is absolutely insane, too. It's just like, <laughs> like he's rapping like an Uzi being fired. Like, it's just like rhyme after rhyme after rhyme. Like, with what little time he has here, he's able to, like, leave an impression. Mm -hmm. It's really impressive after Good-Ass Intro that he's, like, still maintaining that momentum. I think what's interesting, what's really interesting is, again, like you talk about, it's this very, like, glorification of luxury and drugs and the track kind of leads into paranoia yeah. um, which is the next track immediately following it so there's something worth that's uh, something that's worth bringing up in the conversation of acid rap is that the version that was released on Spotify had a few significant uh, changes from the original Dat Piff release. Right. Uh, the first of which concerns the number of tracks on the release. So Push A Man was originally listed as one single seven minute track. Uh, the streaming release has listed it as two separate tracks. The first of which is uh, Push A Man, the two and a half minute thing. And the second, which is Paranoia. And Allow me to talk here for a minute here. I want to call Acid Rap a narrative album at all. It's not like telling a story. It's more of a collection. It's a lot of ideas. And there's a flow to it. There's structure to it. Push A Man and Paranoia in particular, these are complementary pieces. And I kind of hate the fact that they're held separately. I think they're inseparable. And they were made to be one track intentionally. Yes. And I hate that that has been taken away. The songs are like complementary like day and night. They depict 
two different sides of the same situation. There's the glamour, and then there's the reality, the the paranoia that sets in as a result of being a pusher man. Yeah, absolutely. And like Chance has even said that in the in between pusher man and paranoia, there's a significant like thirty second gap of just blank silence and. He said he kind of wanted that to create this feeling of paranoia, not knowing what's coming, what's next, and kind of being timid about whatever is to come. Yeah, there, there's significance of it being like a hidden track. It's important to the whole piece. Yeah. Uh, it's subversive even. The initial part of the song glamorizes a lifestyle that's dangerous and thrilling. It's exciting and it's new. Then there's the silence. There's that 30-second silence and then sort of like builds in it's a song that like quietly builds in it's one of the few moments where like the music is just allowed to play before like chance actually interjects we were talking earlier about how like chance just constantly talks he's this is the first time he slowed down this is reflective yeah um chance is talking about being paranoid and scared using this opportunity to see the problems of the city that he feels are unrepresented at best and outright ignored at worst um, over the last few years, Chance has positioned himself as something of an activist, as we talked about earlier, and he's proud of his Chicago roots, and he wants more for his city, and you can see how much of this issue means to him. Yeah, just to take a, a little bit of a serious moment here to kind of talk about it. So in 2012, Chicago was the murder capital of the United States. It recorded more than 500 homicides in 2012. New York City and Los Angeles have greater populations than Chicago and still recorded less murders. Um, on 10 Day, kind of Chance goes into it a little bit. He has a song called Missing You, which is dedicated to a close friend that he had apparently witnessed got killed in the streets. Um, so, again, you kind of see this dichotomy, like you were talking about, of this more playful, fun Chance the Rapper glorifying this drug life and then getting more serious and thoughtful of kind of the consequences of living in his city and the different things that come along with that. They murder kids here. Why you think they don't talk about it? They deserted us here. Where the fuck is Matt Lauer at? Somebody get Katie Couric in here. Probably scared of all the refugees. Look like we had a fucking hurricane here. Could be shooting whether it's dark or not. I mean, the days is pretty dark a lot. Down here, it's easier to find a gun than it is to find a fucking parking spot. Yeah, he's saying lines like, it's easier to get a gun than to get a fucking parking spot. The specifics of it, the stuff that, like, hits home, there's just a lot of personal energy to him. Yeah. Um, optimism and positivity are, like, the core tenets of, like, how we understand Chance's brand today, and that's a completely fair reading, and I think that's what's contributed to his success because it's different. A lot of people are cynical, and a lot of people are frustrated at a lot of stuff. Uh, but, you know, Chance is like, I'm upbeat, I'm positive, I have a hopeful demeanor about the whole thing. In spite of all that, I love introspective Chance a lot. I love Paranoia so much. Paranoia, he, like, drops the veneer of, like, the bravado that he, like, establishes in the first two tracks. And he, like, stops to confront the darkness of the situation around him. Um, the silence, the pause. It's like he's giving, like, consideration to a moment. He's, like, thinking. It's the first time the album stops in its tracks. And I, I think it's so powerful because not it's not just Chance talking about what's going on in Chicago. It's kind of his personal experience. We're seeing this kind of through his lens. And, we'll, and some of the lines on it, I hate crowded beaches. I hate the sound of fireworks. And I ponder what's worse between knowing it's over and dying first. You know, like, it's almost this PTSD from living in Chicago that you don't know what's going to be your last day and you don't know what's, like, coming next. Like, Chance the Rapper is wholeheartedly confronting, like, mental health and kind of some of these issues that he's personally going through. Um, there's actually a quote about him talking about anxiety and mental health. Uh, and it says, quote, I think anxiety is also something that I'm just now being exposed to later on in life. 
a really big conversation and idea that I'm getting introduced to right now is black mental health. Because uh, for a long time, there isn't this thing that we talked about. I don't remember it. I don't remember people talking about anxiety. Uh, I don't remember it growing up. And it's just a, been a thing that's there the whole time. Let's move forward into the third track. Cigarettes, my mama think I stank. I got burn holes in my hoodies. All my homies think it's dank. I miss my cocoa butter kisses. I miss my cocoa butter kisses. Cocoa Butter Kisses was always my favorite track on Acid Rap. Yes, sir. Like every time I ever went through it, I was like, this is this is a song. This is like the identity of Acid Rap is like sort of in this to me. Sure. Um, so going back to the stuff that I love about Chance, which is the introspective stuff, his willingness to self-critique and paint an unsavory portrait of his life, of himself. Chance's secret weapon to me is how he's able to like effortlessly evoke the feeling of nostalgia weaponizes nostalgia exactly he's incredible at it um he does it all throughout the mixtape but here specifically he's rapping about orange cassette tapes chuck e cheese uh his unquestioned faith of christianity to evoke specific feelings of childhood joy and innocence that he can't quite recapture it's just such specificity but there's something almost like universally relatable about that like how you like just sort of can't you know talk to family the same way because of how you've grown up and how you're cynical now yeah it's it's kind of reminiscent on this nostalgia and this feeling to want to be a kid again but also because of his more adult habits such as smoking and doing drugs it's further separating him and isolating him from his family yeah um there's like uh, the Vic Mensa verse where he like changes the chorus from I got burn holes in my hoodie to saying I got burn holes in my memories. I thought <laughs> that was the most mind blowing thing in the world. The first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, shit, he flipped the script. He made the song instantly deeper by changing one word. I didn't know you could do that. It was like, OK, <laughs> um, it's powerful, like the idea of the, the vivid imagery of that. Yeah. Uh, so let's really quick just get into the sonics of it and the production side of it. So it was produced by two people, Peter Cottontail and Cam Obi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I don't. I, I and you're familiar with Cam Obi, whether you know it or not, Kiefer. Um, yeah, he's he's all over No Name's first mixtape uh, with production credits all over it. Uh, Doves in the Wind by SZA uh, featuring Kendrick Lamar. He is credited with the production on that song, um, as well as Isaiah Rashad's Free Lunch single. I know all of them. Yeah, exactly. His production style is more calm, laid back, uh, chill beats, but with like hard hitting, like dirty drums. Like the like the organ parts of like this song are like so like evocative of like doves and it, the through line there is just yeah. I, it's gospely. I love it. Absolutely. And his whole thing was like because Chance and Vic Mensa apparently already had these verses done. Um, they already laid them down for a different song, which was called Babies and Gunshots, in parentheses, <laughs> Fuck Hawaii. That was, that was the original title of that song, which these very heartfelt, nostalgic verses come off. I don't understand the through line there. Um, but apparently they already, had the, they already had the verses done, they already had the hook done and everything. So they're literally singing it to the producers, and they're just like, they're making organ chords that match the song itself. So it's an interesting way of like, working backwards of here's the song here's the chorus now fit something to match that you know the producer's whole idea was we want this to be very churchy and like soulful but then have dirty new york drums with this southern swing 
you talked about like the production stuff of it revisiting again uh the thing i love most about this song like rap wise is the escalation sure. so the the first verse is like chance and he's like rapping at like his typical speed he's like doing his thing and then Vic Mensa picks it up and he's going faster and then the third verse is Twista who is notably possibly like one of the fastest rappers to ever exist so for people that may not know uh, Twista he's a legendary also Chicago rapper again in the influence of Chicago here he once held the title of the fastest rapper in the world by Guinness Book of World Records. This was back in 1992. Being able to pronounce 598 syllables in 55 seconds. Jesus Christ. That record was later broken, but Twista is kind of known as one of the first mainstream artists to kind of come out to display this mastery of this fast speed rap style. Yeah, so that like that chopper pace that he's going at. <laughs> so like again, the escalation is like what I love of it so much. All right, so there's another major change from the original Spotify release. Um, Juice is gone. They, they killed Juice, everyone. In its place is a 30-second apology that explains that the sample wasn't cleared in time for release. Yeah, so just getting into the sample real quick because I think it's one of my favorite, like, it's one of my favorite samples on the song itself. It's a Donny Hathaway uh, live version of a John Lennon song. So here's the reason why the sample wasn't cleared and even though it is technically a Donny Hathaway song it was commercially released as a Donny Hathaway song it is a cover and it was on it was an officially released song it was a single off the Imagine album that John Lennon did so it's a very famous song and the estate is very tight wound about like clearing samples from Beatles songs it like almost never happens because the Beatles are a brand they're the biggest thing in the world. They're bigger than Jesus. They, they're they not going to like clear a sample, especially for like this up-and-comer kid. One of the producers said, like, this is a learning experience for us because we realized we wanted to, from the beginning, release uh, acid rap on streaming sites like uh, Apple Music, uh, iTunes, um, Spotify, like from the beginning. But we couldn't because the the estate that is like controlling of like the Beatles music or like John Lennon's music and Yoko Ono they would never clear the sample so we could never put the song put the album in its entirety on streaming services especially like during the most crucial like commercial part of it it's a shame because Juice in itself is a really fun and it's a good song apparently it's the first song that Chance did for Acid Rap um he had did it prior to going on tour with Childish Gambino, so that was his main song of, hey guys, I got a new album coming, here's my new song, Juice. Yeah. Uh, he apparently played it so much that he hates the song now, and he doesn't want to play it anymore just because he's like, God, I played, like, that was my only new song when people were asking me for new songs. Yeah, it definitely, it's like a great complimentary piece to Cocoa Butter Kisses, which is another reason why I'm kind of sad that it's not on the thing, because Cocoa Butter Kisses and Juice are just like a good... They flow well together, right. um, which I can understand the placement of it. Thematically, I wouldn't say it is the most functional spot for it because it's one of his more fun songs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we're like sort of surrounding like a kind of like heavy like the heavy stuff yeah but yeah we're gonna transition into lost which is my favorite song off acid rap Love me when I'm ugly, hug me when I'm bummy, scummy, I'm your hubby, let's get lost, let's get lost. So, Lost is a t- somewhat of a twisted love song between two people. It's almost this dramatization of this fucked up, unhealthy relationship in which Chance eggs on this girl to kind of partake in the drugs that he's doing and kind of going along with everything. The song itself uh, samples Willie Hutch's Brother's Gonna Work It Out. This type of song appeals to me because I'm very much into the duet. Um, It's it's like it's an emotional, it's a very emotional song. Chance talks a little bit about the uh, guest feature No Name on this a lot, who at the time was like absolutely unknown. Yeah. Uh, I want to take a second and say the core part of this whole mixtape's identity is the features and collaborators that he gets to work with them. Especially in the first half of this album, it's almost exclusively like homegrown Chicago personalities. Mm-hmm. And No Name was an actual virtual No Name at the time, who I think only had like a feature on one other rap song. Even the people in the studio were like, who is she? And it's incredible. It's yeah. like one of the best verses like anyone puts into this album. It's emotionally like devastating. It hits me every time. I used to never like, you know, play the song often back in my original listens of it because it wasn't like as bravado as like the more fun chant songs, but this is this is, you know, probably one of the best songs on this whole thing. I agree. Uh I will also say if you have not listened to No Name's like individual work or her solo projects, it's definitely worth checking out her music is amazing and some of these same poetic powerful potent uh rhymes that she says on this album are found throughout her entire career so i very much urge you to go back and check her discography out um and kiva i know how you kind of talked about that this album itself may not be conceptual and it has more singular smaller moments i think the song itself is kind of one of those moments that works as a conceptual piece um that's very interesting that i kind of want to break down with you so the first thing that you hear on the song is the chorus uh, by chance the rapper that goes my druggie love me when i'm ugly hug me when i'm bummy scummy i'm your hubby let's get lost let's get lost kind of saying that hey like you're you're my druggie you're the person that like i go to when i'm feeling down you're 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 my you're my fucking cinnamon apple baby uh let's get lost i.e let's let's do drugs together again kind of the first line off that is chance uh saying one of the most <laughs> one of the most like hitting and powerful lines is damn i'm in so deep girl probably because you're empty jesus no, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 this emotionally manipulative kind of situation of which chance knows like this girl doesn't have a lot going on for her and there's not a lot in her life and so he's using drugs for both of them to kind of escape from this and He's having sex with a girl and hanging out with the girl, all these things, knowing that, you know, which is uh, like the lines. I'm a fix you. I'm a fuck you. I'm a get rid of them demons as chance almost being like, I you, you don't need anybody else. You just need me. And you just need these drugs and we're just going to trip and we're just going to ignore all our problems, however terrible they may be. I wanna die with this. I wanna stop seeing my psychiatrist. She said, "Peel, pop, baby girl, cause I promise you, you tweaked the empty bottle, loneliness, this happiness." 
Yeah, so the phrase love me is omitted from the second and third hook as if love was just kind of this veil for the real thought process of Chance. He wants someone to fuck and do drugs with, essentially. He doesn't really care about her, but needs her to keep him up when he's not on drugs. Um, this kind of is illustrating the line, her pussy like me, her heart like fuck it. So dance for daddy like Gator, ain't no partners on this trip. You know, meaning that, like, I know you don't really love me like this, and I know you know you don't really love me like this, but that's not what this is about, you know? I'm just, I need someone to trip with, and I need someone to kind of be there for me to fill this void. So, again, I think this kind of unravels more from the woman's perspective as we get to No Names verse, which is, I bless myself inside your arms one day. Beautiful, like, loving line, that's the first thing. That's the first line of her verse. Her verse ends with the lines, on a movie with no screen, when the only time he loves me is naked in my dreams. So again, like, we have this very quick unravel from, again, like you said, this is, I'm blessing myself with this and it's a chance to be happy, but deep down I know, like, you don't care about me and you don't love me and the only time you do is naked in my dreams, which is... Ugh. So much like the hook itself, this verse reflects the image of love and caring for an individual is only a facade for a more sinister and selfish plot. Um, each individual is only getting what they want out of the situation and ultimately end up with less than what they started with. Yeah, no. Um, the thing that appeals to me about this song a lot is, again, I love duets. I love the one side, the two side. You're, this is like somebody that I used to know the basically any song by the XX or uh, you know there's um, songs by the gorillas where they like have like duets that like you know have the back and forth there and I love interactions like that and that's why this song appeals to me on you know the sonic level um, and lyrically it's absolutely heartbreaking and chance has gone on record to say that like the best feature I've ever done he had an interview with Hannibal Burris when he said this mm-hmm. he said the the best guest verse that I got from somebody is the no name verse on lost that's yeah. the best thing I've ever gotten from someone next track next track next track right so let's talk about the production real quick of the song yeah, go ahead. Um, so the song was produced by, correct me if I'm wrong, DJ Ozone? DJ Ozone, yeah. DJ Ozone. Um, he uses a sample from the Slum Village track, Fall in Love. Ladies loving my music, it's like some sex shit. Niggas trying to grip up my mic like it's a dig. Run around the corner to pick up the new shit. So it's like we're getting hit with like paranoia. Um, Lost, Cocoa Butter Kisses, and this song, which are all like very reflective and introspective songs. And, you know, we sort of like move towards the hopeful with the actual chorus of this. Everybody's somebody's everything, nobody's nothing. I, I agree. I think this song to me is kind of the heart of acid rap. To me, it's the emotional core to answer uh, why he's doing so many of these drugs, like why he's kind of trying to constantly put himself in this inebriated like state and it's almost like a come down from lost and a come down from cocoa butter kisses as he's now kind of like you said confronting those things and kind of addressing those people that have said things about him exactly not even just about him but i want to like take this moment and like talk about chicago again yeah so chicago is the right wing punching bag of like the world it is the favored city of like networks like Fox News to like prove their points about the failures of like progressive policies 
Anytime they want to reframe a conversation about gun violence to black-on-black crime, they whip out, oh, Chicago. Uh, if you ever try to have a discussion about gun control, they bring up Chicago, and that's where that line, fuck Fox News, comes from. He's sick and tired of the national conversation about his city is to be the the scapegoat of like every preconceived notion of like what white right-wing old people just believe in. They're not invested in fixing Chicago. If conservatives had it their way, they wouldn't do shit about Chicago, so they could always have an argument and have a reliable scapegoat to justify racism and g- gun violence. Stuff like that is why he's so politically involved now, because he wants to reframe the narrative of his city and you know prove to it that it's more than just the gun violence center of America. The line, middle finger Uncle Samuel on the bridge, where he's frustrated at the treatment of one of America's cities and his public perception while the government itself doesn't want to do anything about Chicago's violence, but they're more than willing to like, send people overseas or draft kids to uh, blow up foreign cities themselves. It's a hypocritical statement, and I, I don't know. I love the, the fact that he's honing in on that idea. He has something he wants to say in between that, you know, the chorus. I agree, and I think kind of with that, we see not only that side of things of kind of how the media and our public perception kind of affects chance in the way of struggling with his identity. The second, the first and second verse have messages of self-hatred and inauthenticity and kind of the core of why chance uses drugs. Um, one of the lines he says, I slurp, I slurp too many pain kills down. I'm off a lot. I got a lot of off days, but it ain't often I'm off the clock. I got the Chicago blues. We invented rock before the stones got through. Which kind of just gets right to the heart of what you were talking about. Other people talk about me. Other people seem to have more of an opinion of who I am and what I'm about more so than I do myself. In a world where he's like basically ignored because Chicago is like perceived outside of the city to be like this terrifying, horrifying place that doesn't have, uh, you know, a chance. He is like saying, well, I love it. I love myself and I love the people in it. Yeah, so with Everybody Something, we conclude the first half of Acid Rap, and we segue ourselves into the second half with the song Interlude, That's Love. Um, We talked about how, like, up to this point, most of the production was very Chicago-based, producers, uh, rappers, features. On this song, we have a feature from Ludwig Göransson. Ludwig is the primary collaborator with Childish Gambino. He produces his music for his albums camp because of the internet um his mixtapes uh, awaken my love and he's also a tv composer he did the music for community which is how he met gambino new girl and he did the score for the black panther soundtrack and he uh, he's basically like ryan coogler is also a personal composer too so he's very talented ludwig actually met chance through uh gambino because he was going on tour uh being the opening act for childish gambino um and like the first show, he didn't know who he was, and he just opens up the act, and he's like immediately like mystified by his energy, and he was just like found him so charismatic and so upbeat, and he just wanted to you know give him like props for that. So it would only stand a reason after coming off of tour um, with Childish Gambino that he would eventually collaborate with them, and that's how he got this song. Weirdly enough, like one of the songs that like helped like 
define Chance's brand going forward here. Like, this is, like, the sound that you hear on Coloring Book a lot. Right, and what's interesting is this track actually started as another song. It was originally called Electric, but uh, by the third session of kind of making the song, he decided he wanted to do something more churchy and soulful, which is why we hear the organ as one of the main melodies throughout the track and kind of the piano playing. Um, Again, it's just kind of this palate cleanser now as we've delved into some very deep and introspective and thoughtful topics this is just kind of a break for chance to kind of take pick pick his head up and take a look around and see everything and kind of have an appreciation yeah it's definitely a turning point we go from the sort of like dark uh introspective stuff about his city about his personal life about where he is standing now and then a switch kind of flips and he goes into that gospel sound, and then he goes into the more upbeat music of the second half of the album. Like you said, it goes into that back half of songs, which, like you said, it flips a switch, uh, for better or worse. And I kind of both have a love-hate relationship with the back half of the album, which we'll kind of talk in as we kind of segue into favorite songs. Here's some discourse. <laughs> All right, so now we're into, um, we're officially into like the uh, second half of this album after Interlude. Um, uh, like I said, favorite song was the first song I ever heard from Chance the Rapper because I had that relationship with Gambino. They got my white ass in here with it. Uh, that was the perfect entryway for me. Uh, Chance knew what he was doing. You know, it's just for this song, I, I kind of struggle with it a little bit because it's it's meant to be more of a fun song. You can it definitely has like summer 2013 like vibes all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, The chorus, it just kind of doesn't seem like he's trying too hard on it. You know, this shit, my favorite song, you just know the words, but I still fuck with you. You just ain't never heard. You know, it's just kind of like after having such thoughtful, substantive choruses like leading up to this, it just kind of feels like a a, a empty. It's not a lot to maybe think about. And I, I get that's maybe the purpose of it. But after interlude, I think that's like the turning point for like the tone of the album. So like we get through the tough stuff, we get through the introspective and the deep stuff. And this is like the flip sort of switching and then like chance, like taking in, like, you know, having fun again, he's like willing to let himself like enjoy the experience. Like if this was like, it's like, a, it's like basically has come up to me. Like, I don't know how I feel about like, ignore that part. That's like this song. And then after that, it's Nya Nya, and then Smoke Again. And those are all three, like, more of the fun songs of the album. And, like, the heavy stuff is just sort of in the back, mo- in the front of the album, mostly. So I think it was very deliberate to put Interlude, Favorite Song, Nya Nya, and Smoke Again all on there because they all have that same tone. Sure. So that's that's sort of where I'm coming from with that. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I prefer the more introspective stuff a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. Me too. I, I don't think Favorite Song enhances the theme that the album's playing with right now. I think it enhances on the acid rap part of it, but not the deeper questions of why we're doing the acid. What, you know, what's the core of it? Like I was saying earlier, I never really thought of it as like a concept or narrative album that it didn't have to be like one thematic whole. Sure. Um, so when I'm like listening to it, I, you know, am appreciative of these like moments of levity because this has always been more of like a talent showcase for, 
uh, chance. This is like his thing that propels him into the mainstream. And I don't think that would have happened as well if he didn't have like these, like, you know, more fun, upbeat songs to like, you know, play with. Uh, so I like the beat to this one a lot. Uh, the production's <laughs> the production's very cool. Sure. I, I love the energy of the chance versus here. Uh, but god damn it, I don't like the Absol verse <laughs> at all. It's not even like uh, it's not like an I don't like Absol thing. It's not that at all. I just think he's so out of place. His voice, his lyricism, his like presentation of the whole thing. It it, it feels tacked on. Like like with like a piece of tape that like you already used once but you're insisting on using again. That that's that's what that is to me. The the weird relationship that these like songs have. Um so uh, going back into like favorite song Nanya and Smoke Again being like interconnected, uh the first half of the album is like almost exclusively Chicago stuff, as I've said a billion times already. Um so you go from the first half of the album, which is, you know, Chicago features and you have mainly Chicago producers and then you go into favorite song uh which is has a feature from childish gambino who's not from chicago um uh, you have nianya which is from action bronson who is the most new york motherfucker to ever exist um and then you have ab soul who's from la um and i'm not saying like they're like the things they contribute are like so like off like base that they like ruin the album or anything or like what it has to say but it is interesting to me that like the the three fun songs are the one where he like opens himself up to like more collaboration from like outsiders. Um, I like the Gambino verse a lot. I'm pretty neutral on uh, Action Bronson's existence, and I outright hate the Absol contribution on this particular mixtape. I think it's worth noting because again, at this point, Chance the Rapper has garnered a following. He has he has buzz right now. You know, he's been on tour with Childish Gambino, so he has a, he has a little bit of power. You know, he he can call Twista and get a verse. You know, so it's like to see him go out and collaborate with these different artists. Like, it's fun. I like that. I want to see that. I just I again, I kind of struggle with how those songs ended up kind of culminating and ended up kind of what they became it's weird to get a conscious rapper and then you have to hear the line from him uh let me put my mouth where your potty boo <laughs> uh it's tacky and i hate it i hate it so much all right, so this is uh, our break from like the the fun tracks, and then you go into Acid Rain, and Acid Rain drives home my thoughts that my favorite Chance tracks are the ones where he allows himself to be vulnerable. Uh, I used to never give this song its dues back in the day, but I, I love it now. The beat is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, from how I understand it, he actually the recording, the actual act of him like recording this song, he recorded this high off of shrooms in ten minutes. Um, he completely lets his guard down here. He's allowed, he allows himself to be completely vulnerable, um, which fits in interestingly, um, when you just like hop from like the three more fun boppy songs, he's talking about his anxieties, his fears, the things that terrifies him. He, it's one extended nonstop verse. And a lot of my favorite chance lines are actually within this thing. Yeah. I agree. I think the production itself kind of lends itself to him getting a little more introspective and a little more personal 
Uh, I think it's very laid back um, with this weird like sonic landscape in the back that just sound, it, to me it sounds cloudy almost you know like not in a bad way not in a clo- not in a quality sense but the beat itself sounds kind of cloudy and to me it kind of represents how we're kind of inside Chance's mind as he's doing these drugs and as he's going through these things it's kind of we're looking around with him and kind of surveying the land again we're seeing this world through Chance's eyes and I think the high pitched string instrument that comes in and out throughout the track adds a little more tension to the song yeah sure and it definitely fits into like your idea of like the a lot of the songs being like his relationship with drugs and how they personally affect him and his relationship with his like family his relationship with his city they're all in this one thing um there is an interview that he did with sway in 2013 where sway specifically like says like talk to me about these lines uh my big homie died young just turned older than him i seen it happen i seen it happen i see it always he still be screaming i see his demons in empty hallways and you talked about it earlier but not only did one of his best friends die his friend rodney was stabbed to death like from violence in the city it's traumatizing and it obviously still weighs heavily on him here um i know positive chance we've said it before i know positive chance is what resonates with people and it's what propelled him to the mainstream but the emotional reaction i get from the vulnerable tracks here they still hit me and i think my favorite line in this thing is what he says immediately after that line which is i trip to make the fall shorter that is the line that makes the song for me i trip to make the fall shorter says so much and so little i think up until this point and chance has even said it in interviews that Acid rap is just asking a lot of questions. You know, I'm putting a lot of things out there. I'm kind of venting my frustrations. But Acid Rain kind of hits on, like, it hits the nerve of those frustrations and it hits the nerve of all those questions and what Acid Rap means, which is why I think Acid Rain is a very interesting title for it because it's, I trip to make the fall shorter. I'm doing these drugs to distance myself from, like, this dark depression and these dark things going on that we've referenced on tracks like Paranoia and on Everybody's Something. I talked a bit earlier a couple times about how Chance's secret weapon is how he's flawlessly, he can just evoke the feelings of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he does it wistfully. Sometimes he does it in a melancholy way. And there are just so many lines here that are absolutely heartbreaking and how world-weary he's become in a lot of ways, talking about where he was and, like, you know, where he is now yeah again i think some kind of the lines that illustrate that are smoking cigarettes to look cooler i only stop by to look through you we've been posing all these themes and all these ideas and acid rain is kind of just in the way that rain kind of all comes down like on top of you all these problems are kind of compounding coming down on chance and we're getting all these now answers out of him um I, I, I think, though, here, here's an interesting thing I want to talk to you about, Kiefer. Um, it's kind of the outro of the song and how it ends and kind of how it relates to the album. Because as we talked about, there's kind of miniature narratives in each song that kind of play off each other and build off each other. Mm-hmm. And some of the last lines in this song are more of spoken word, kind of um, emotionally felt. He says, I am a new man. I am sanctified. I'm holy. I have been baptized. Um talking about how he's been born again and he is the white light and as this rain's kind of pouring down him he doesn't want it to go away you know he's kind of transformed himself now after kind of confronting all these issues that has been throughout his life after talking about it all and kind of opening up 
we kind of get to this point, and I think Chain Smoker very specifically relates. So like I said, uh, kind of following Acid Rain is the song Chainsmoker, and it's almost a celebration of life, you know. Uh, after confronting a lot of the fears and different things Chance has, he kind of finds himself reborn on Chainsmoker. And this is a song, and this is essentially, if this was his last song ever, he wants it to sound like a Prince song. And so it kind of reaffirms the themes of the tape as a whole. Yeah, so Chainsmoker is so good, I used to kind of wish that it was the actual end of the album. And I think it was, you know... He, he sort of hints at that throughout the thing, like where he said, like, this is my last shit, my last shit. Um, you know, hope you love all my, all my shit. Obviously, it might be the last time I'll, that I write a song. A lot, a lot of hints that this is supposed to be like the last like track of the mixtape. And I thought I was fine with that. It's a very good, like heartfelt, like, hey, this is me. Uh, I'm Chance. Uh, hope you love hope you love everything I was doing here today. Um, enjoy. And I hope I hope I hope <laughs> I hope this was good for you. It was good. <laughs> can, can I call you later? <laughs> I like the song a lot. It's very dancey. It's very poppy. And even though it's like talking about like this could be my last song, I could die. I mean, who knows? It's it's still you know heartfelt and emotional. But I said like you know maybe it, this could be the last track. But hearing the next track, the final track, uh, everything's good. The outro. Um, I'm glad it isn't. So good ass outro. Everything's good. Starts with a phone call with Chance's dad and calling him, telling him how genuinely proud he is of him. Story about this was this is an actual phone call. It's not staged or anything. Uh, Chance was in the booth when his dad called and he just pointed at the guy in the studio and said, "Hey, record this." Um, because his dad always tells him something sweet and sentimental when he has a call. So this is another, this is another nostalgia track. He, he's like talking about used to what I did before. And then he counters what it used to be and talks about now. He's like, everything's good. Uh, unlike the other dark nostalgia tracks on this album, this is an optimistic, you know, flip of like the, you know, the stuff that used to happen. And here's where I am now. Chance is reflecting on where he used to be in life and where he stands now, and he's happy. He's moving forward, and it's growth, and that's why I'm glad that he has this song as like the closing track, not like, uh, you know, chain smoking. This is the this is the growth song. You see the the genuine like I'm happy after a small like handful of tracks of Chance darkly reflecting on the harder moments of this past. This is the necessary and logical conclusion of the piece. Yeah, and I think kind of some lines that kind of illustrate that point that you're kind of getting at is, um, I used to be worse than worthless, now I'm worth hooks and verses. And it's also a counterpoint to where he was at the beginning of, you know, the album. Like, like here in the beginning of the first track, he's being like, I'm this bravado, he's cocky, he's prideful, he's doing like, he's talking about how good he is, but the closing like lines of this is like him being thankful to the people in his life, his friends, the you know the people who's like provided like everything for him he's he's thankful and he's wants to give like everyone their dues as he's like closing out yeah which kind of is what kind of propels this idea or theme that although these songs are individual narratives that kind of play off one another through each song we've kind of broken down a different barrier of chance and we've kind of grown along with him and by the time we get to the end he's after seeing everything that his life's gone through, after seeing everything he's been through, he's thankful for it all. And 
I'm so appreciative of the journey that he was able to capture and kind of how this song kind of encaps that. Yeah, so a little quick production note is how this song, in addition to being like the last track, was like the very last thing that they were working on. The producer of this track, which was uh, also Cam Obi, who had also produced Cocoa Butter Kisses and the Good Ass intro. So uh, towards the end, like he was still finishing the song like the day before the album was due. Uh, he, someone like he was like staying with was saying like, hey, uh, no pressure, but that thing's coming up, right? And he's like, it's not, that's not what I need to hear right now. So um, the end of the, after he like does all the lyrical stuff, the ultimately the end is just like, this interpolation of like all of like the different production sounds that was recurring throughout the album and like making this sort of like medley. Yeah. It's very reminiscent to the end of my beautiful dark twist of fantasy by Kanye West, who does the same thing Uh, at the end of lost in the world. He like mixes in the sample from power from the intro track and kind of all throughout the songs. Like, like you said, kind of in this medley Uh, chance the rapper has different samples from his own good ass intro uh, some of his ad-libs throughout the album, um, his Juke Juke song uh, that was originally on his 10-day mixtape, and a couple different uh, vocals from uh, Smoke Again. So again, it's just kind of like you said, there's this beautiful like medley that comes together that just, it's almost like this very quick like snapshot of the whole entire album and this like instrumental piece. And I, I think it's so beautiful. It's kind of like, this is where you've been. This is the journey that you've been on. It's almost the credits rolling as you're seeing different scenes from the album play out. Right. And the way the song ends is with like the quite like, ooh, ooh, I'm good sample from the Good Ass Intro, which does a perfect loop into even better than I was the last time. So that takes us through our journey of acid rap, um, talking about all the major production and everything that went into it. Um, let's get into our closing thoughts real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we talk about, you know, the influence that Chance had on the greater community and music in general, uh, just a thought that I've had after listening to this thing is Chance is the subject of a lot of criticism. Uh, I don't think all of it's completely fair, uh, and I don't think a lot of it's completely unfair either. Uh, I completely understand where the arguments of him being obnoxious or corny can come from, and I don't want to sound too defensive of that, but a lot of people are quick to throw around the, uh, throw around the word corny at him, and I have mixed feelings about it because I don't think Chance ever has ever come across from like an insincere place with the brand of positivity that he has. He can lay it on a little thick sometimes for sure, but I guess when I think of corny, I sort of think of like, out of touch and I don't think that's a fair thing to throw on him he's very conscious of like his surroundings and like the you know the his environment um acid raps is deeply personal project and he worked hard to make sure that it was his voice and his vision he put everything about himself into this thing chances backed up every single thing that he said and as much as he's talked about the violence and mistreatment of Chicago youth, you know, he's donated a million dollars to Chicago public school system because they were getting defunded. You know, he's made a pledge for mental health and donated another one million dollars to mental health services in the Chicago area. Um, he's worked with the My State of Mind initiative to help increase that mental health resources to Illinois as a state and Cook County. So he's doing everything that he's talking about. He's 
confronting these issues and he's dealing with them straight on. You know, that's what a lot of people, not just in the music industry, but in general, that you don't see doing, you know, again, for Chance to be a completely independent artist, for him to be doing all these things, to talk about all these things, but to back them up and to support uh, and to support the city that he grew up in, just it's very meaningful. And like for anybody that says he's inauthentic or corny, like I just don't think they understand what Chance is doing and what greater effect he has on people. Chance has done a lot, whether or not you like him, about he's done a lot to like sort of like turn a lot of industry norms on its head in real time. Yeah. Um, I'm greatly appreciative of that. And like clearly a lot of people respect him because his follow-up project coloring book had like so many big names on it. Like he got to work with Lil Wayne on a thing. He got to work with Kanye West, two chains, so many big artists, young thug and Lil Yachty, you know, it's just like, you can see how the acid rap propelled his entire career. Like He's definitely been influential on in a lot of ways. Um, how, what do you think of his follow-up project, Coloring Book? Um, I, I like Coloring Book a lot. Like, let me preface it with that. The first three or four songs are fucking fantastic. Some of my favorite. Same Drugs is one of my favorite songs of all time. But I think that as high highs as that album has, it also has some very low lows. And it just, I don't know if it's the full step up he needed for his next project. Yeah, there's no reason that mixtape need to be five minutes long or exist, really. But um, <laughs> mixtape the song, obviously. Um, yeah. Um, he has an upcoming album coming out soon. That's kind of the main reason that we wanted to talk about this to get the you know, hype train moving for that. And we want to really reflect on Chance as an artist, not just like talk about his influence and everything. And I still love acid rap a lot. There's It holds up really well. It's still like emotionally potent. Um there, there's just a lot to love here, and Chance is still very charismatic in it. Even in like the more weaker parts of the album, he's still showcasing his talent constantly. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, I know I've kind of griped about uh, those back half of those kind of songs, like Favorite Song in Nana and Smoke Again, but as much as I may take issue with them, it's just because I have such like a high expectation for Chance the Rapper and a high expectation for his music, and like I still love those tracks at the end of the day. Acid rap is kind of in this internet age of these rappers and young artists who have come out and made a name for themselves again, like we talked about, in just a two-year period from 2010 to 2012, like, they've created a new renaissance of hip-hop music and a new renaissance of American music, and to see Chance the Rapper and one of the leading faces of that just means a lot. I. I still fall in love with his music every time I hear it. As I get older, things of struggling with self-identity and self-confidence, like, those hit me even harder every single year. But it's also comforting, you know? It's something that I can look to to say that this is someone who's experienced something similar to me and this is what they've gone through. It, it means a lot to see his journey and it means a lot for him to, like, kind of wear all those things on his chest. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. We are just two dudes uh, doing it entirely ourselves. Uh, we have no like you know site hosting us besides SoundCloud. Uh, it's all completely grassroots, and we do all the promotion ourselves. So if you enjoyed what you listened to today, please consider following us, retweeting us on Twitter at 
Blueprint Cast. Thank you again for listening. Um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. We look forward for the upcoming episodes. Uh, hopefully, we'll commit to a more bi-weekly. Bi-weekly is every two weeks, right? That's what that means? Yes. Hopefully. Um, so we'll commit to a more uh, regimented sh- schedule uh, because we're very excited about where this project can take us and what we can learn along the way. This was the Blueprints podcast. Thank you again for uh, listening in. I love you. <laughs> Peace out.